Hello and welcome to episode 57 of more, a podcast designed to inspire, encourage and support women to make changes both big and small in their lives. And this week we're talking to amazing eco-influencer. I'm Jo Merrick. I am a mum of two teenagers. I live just outside London in the UK and I'm a co-founder of Treasure and Light, an eco gift store online. And I also support people up-leveling their health with doTERRA essential oils. And my name is Serena Novelli. I am a body confidence and sexual empowerment coach, also based in Surrey, and a busy mummy of five. So today, as you can see, we've got a guest. We're super excited. And yes, Jill Perkins is an eco-influencer. She's also a mum of twins. Um, But a lot of people might know her as... Jill. She's of Jamjar Jill on Instagram and .com. She's got her own site and we're really, really excited to be talking to her today. Um, We've touched on this subject before. Serena and I have done a previous episode where we talked about our battles in our home to try and um, make changes for the better, but also with our other halves and our children and, you know, generally make some difference in the world. But um, we're not experts. And we'd like to think Jill is. So, Jill, would you like to um, just give us a very brief introduction to who you are? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, becoming an eco-influencer is something which has kind of happened organically for me. Um, it wasn't where I started my blogging journey, um, but I just love it. And it's come about really naturally. I think, you know, I was always brought up, my mum was very much into um, just trying to get us to have an appreciation of nature and that sort of thing. Um, You know, she was a primary school teacher. We always embraced things like secondhand and recycling and anti-food waste and stuff. It wasn't really labelled as being an eco-influencer or anything at the time. Um, When we talk, what era are we talking? When would that have been? I was born in 1983, so... um, so um yeah those labels didn't really exist did they no no they didn't they didn't but I always remember her just you know wanting to do it for her really and so it was I guess it just made it normal to me and it was only when I kind of became an adult that I realized you know it wasn't necessarily normal to everyone else um and I think that's like interesting because it's kind of half the battle with kids and that's what I try and do with mine I mean mine are only four and a half um but you know it's just normal that they will ask me what bin something goes in you know they just they won't just go and put it in in the main way so I have I'm a bit of a geek with the label maker ever since I got one to be honest (laughs) so I've like actually labeled all the bins as well but I don't know why this vision of a label on a child's forehead you're like oh sorry darling (laughs) yeah yeah yeah, I know (laughs) It can get can out you um, put it into context so you jump from like I get that your early um, influence was your mum but then as yeah. an adult what, what was your background professionally and then how did you actually become Jam Jar Jill that's okay, what I want to know. So, um, yeah so basically I um, have a media degree I did media production VTech I did want to be a TV presenter at one point, so it'd be interesting if I do make it on YouTube. Um, <laughs> but um, the, the game changer for me was this um, film I watched um, called Julia and Julie. Have you ever heard of that? No. 
Um, so basically it was all about um, Julia Childs, if you've heard of her. Yeah. Um, so she's a woman who brought French cooking to America. And basically this film, I highly recommend everyone to watch it. Um, but it was like a split timeline. So it followed her in the 1950s, going to Paris, following her husband who worked for the government. I've and seen then, it. I've seen it on a plane. I remember now. Yeah. Great film. And then it had a woman in um, like 2001 or something who um, was working in the call centre post Twin Towers. Um, and so she had like a really depressing government job as well. And she decided to, on the side, it was right in the infancy of blogging, um, to do a blog, which um, she took herself, I think it was a year to cook her way through the art of French Cooking, which was Julia Child's book, and blog about it. And um, at the time, I was like, oh, my God, I've, I've always wanted to find a platform to find my own voice on. And that was kind of the start of my blogging journey, is I just kind of took it from there. And I started That's amazing. Well. I would not have thought that would be the answer to my question and where yeah. it was. <laughs> So, um, yeah, so and then I started, um, so I started with a recipe blog and then when we bought a house, I then did another blog on doing up the house. Um, and then I was speaking to a friend in PR and saying, you know, I really do want to make this into a proper side hustle and things. And she said, well, if you want that, then you're going to have to get some regularity to your content. And so what she suggested is I amalgamated the two blogs because I was really struggling to keep up with them both. Um, and that sort of came about. And then I was looking for a name for it. Um, and at that point in time, I was um, working at um, the British Standards Institute, actually. And um, but I had a bunch of friends. And um, one of the things was they didn't provide tea bags. So I used to bring in my tea bags and my sugar and stuff all in jam jars. And so I got the nickname Jam Jar Jill. <laughs> And my friend Kendra, she used to always like writing birthday cards and stuff, like my darling Jam Jar Jill. And so then when I needed a name, I was like, actually, that's kind of cute. And yeah. it could be like adapted. And like now I've got my VA business. So I, I call it JJGVA services. So it's, it's like it has the potential to be expanded, you know, into different realms other yeah. than when I need it to. But then, so that was kind of an entity in itself and it was developing organically, you know, sometimes I was blogging. I would categorize it as a lifestyle blog, really. Yeah. Um, and then, but I guess I always naturally had an eco twist to it because that was part of my personality. And then um, I kind of got to lockdown and, you know, I'd heard people talking about find a niche, find a niche, mm. and I never really knew how to and stuff. Um, and I can't even tell you what specific catalyst it was which kind of drew me in. I think it was that I was looking into like networking opportunities on Instagram and stuff like that. And I'd recently heard about this concept of meetups as opposed to like the whole looping concept, which obviously yeah. can be really quite a negative experience. Yeah. Um, and I just sort of started looking up, well, you know, I love everything eco. So I don't see if there's an eco meetup and I think um, I found a couple and then I started connecting with more and more and more people right. and then I was like oh my gosh I found my people like because they were just all very much a community right yeah like-minded people and um, 
I think honestly it just developed organically from there and I think over lockdown it's kind of a bit of a juxtaposition because we weren't able to see people physically but I think actually the online communities became incredibly supportive spaces and um, you know Serena knows this she did exactly that didn't you Serena Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Do you think that's like part of your your why, your motivation of how you've like evolved as such, um, like going into lockdown and then having that online community and being able to meet and when you can mix with people that have um, the same kind of, I you know they 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 want to do the same thing as you, they have the same values as you, it just seems to flow so much more naturally, doesn't it? It does 100%. And I think I got more and more into that space. You know, I've been into yoga for a long time. I've done it since I was 15. And I've very much always been part of the yoga community locally and know all the different yoga teachers. And so I've seen them be freelance. And I've always, I don't know, I just never really knew whether I could do it or how I could do it. But I was trying to build up the blogging brand and the eco-influencer business. And I was kind of making little bits and bobs of money here and there. And then um, I kind of, um, again, over lockdown, sorry, my cat's just come in. Um, Just, um, yeah, I just got to a place where I didn't really feel like the office job, which I had, was really working with my life and with the kids and everything anymore. And, um, And then, you know, I was listening to a lot of actually podcasts because podcasts, again, is something which has just absolutely boomed, haven't they, during this time? Because I think like that sort of speak media has become just people love that interaction and that connection and listening to conversations and everything. So I've been listening to a lot of entrepreneurs and stuff. So I'd heard about the concept of VA and then I kind of knew I have like a couple of different WhatsApp groups of people I've met on Instagram, like the Twin Mummies Instagram group and stuff like that. and a couple of them were talking about, oh, you know, I might start as a VA. And then I knew another friend who started as a VA. And I just kind of thought, well, actually, maybe this is the missing puzzle piece um, right. for me because I needed some sort of regularity of income so I could actually drop the day job um, and, and do something with my brand, which connected in with it. And I launched um, in January and um then um sort of went fully freelance as of may so it's still quite early days yeah but but fantastic it's already the best decision i've ever made in my life it's just amazing because and um it just means that you're so close to source and you're just kind of connecting with people who have interests which you're interested in and you're getting the creative aspects And I think as well, you know, a lot of mums, a lot of people after having kids, but unfortunately, especially mums in our society, you know, do get a raw deal when we go back to work, you know, and this is a lot of stuff which I've been hearing about recently. I've really got into the Mary Porter's podcast. I don't know if you listen to that and work like a woman and all that, but um, it's just like this whole work like a human thing. She said she would have called the book work like a human, but it probably wouldn't have sold so well. But that's the kind of point that she's getting at. Absolutely. Is like, why are we in 2021 getting encouraged to pretend we don't have kids at interview? And, you know, throughout the working experience and 
and like and we don't have other challenges and things like I've yeah. had insomnia and anxiety on and off since having the children and you know it's just seen as almost like a pain in the backside unfortunately and it wasn't unique to my workplace by any means and they didn't you know it's just a cultural thing within like the office environment I think it is 100% you're right I mean and this I know it's something Serena's really passionate about she's um, been working for Anne Summers for many years and it's really important yeah. to you isn't it Serena to to offer that opportunity to mums especially to have yeah, that too. independence that they can work on their own hours to fit yeah. around everybody and that's exactly one of the things that you're on well, what I do as well with doTERRA is it is offering somebody freedom really yeah because I think unfortunately it's the case that I mean maybe some of this is in my own head but I think a lot of it is in the society that we live in, unfortunately, that it's almost like, well, you're so lucky to be able to work part-time, but you've got a really excellent deal already. So now you want something extra on top of that. Well, why on earth do you want that? You know, or why do you want some extra flexibility or, um, you know, whatever, because it's just, um, where it's, it's just your own life it's your own life when you're freelance and it's such a wonderful freeing thing um that you know knowing that if i have a bad night's sleep then that's my problem to kind of sort out and i can have a day of rest sure. because my body needs it and then you know i can work the evenings or whatever and it's that kind of whole flexible piece and right, i do and exactly I, the same if I, it's really important to me to get vitamin d and be in the sun and if it's yes. a really sunny day if i choose to get up an hour or two earlier and work the whole night evening yes. because then i can spend time outside in the day and that's really important to me when i can do that really 100%, important 100 another person who i follow who i absolutely love is mother pucker um do you know her she's, no no oh my gosh you have to follow her she's amazing so um she's loving Anna, the name that's her screen name obviously mother pucker <laughs> <laughs> Anna, uh, i can't remember her surname now i'll have to send it to you after yeah please do um, in the comments yeah she's actually she actually is also a radio presenter on heart radio now um but oh. she She's written several books. One is called Parenting the Shit Out of Life. Love it. And one's called um, something like Where the Hell is My Happy Ending, um, which she wrote with her husband. And it's all about the con like the um, concept of marriage and what our perception of what it should be versus what it actually is and everything, but yeah. fascinating. But she just fights tooth and nail for flexible working and she does something called the Flex Appeal and she's actually like been in government with it and like really pushing it through. And her books are like brilliant because they're interesting and they're really talking about the nitty gritty of the reality of being a parent. Yes, absolutely. The stuff they um, don't tell you, right? <laughs> absolutely. But also like, the answers to the questions as well like I think it's in parenting the shit out of life they go through and they give you like all the answers you should give to a HR representative like when they say things to you right um, but unfortunately at the moment a lot of businesses and I hope lockdown I hope the pandemic is going to make people think a bit more I know, crossed, I know you I do feel... fear don't you you fear that this will soon become a distant memory and everybody will I, hope back so, but... I know I'm in dread do you um, feel you've been well received by people? Like the changes that you've made and how you've presented that on Instagram and publicly, yes. do you, did you have any resistance from anybody? Um, 
don't think so. Touch wood. Um, because I think I always try and be a very positive person. That's always how I try to project myself. Um, and I'm always trying to be very open. And I'm always interested to talk to people about their, their opinions and stuff. And, um, you know, I would always describe myself as, you know, whilst being green, I'm realistic green, you know, and I think that's the wonderful thing about, you know, to coin a phrase, green turning mainstream is in yeah. order for it to happen, we need to accept that people's lives are busy, people have budgets. Reality is, you know, we're not going to see those massive, massive changes until legislation changes and, you know, corporate supply chains change. But we can make small changes in our own lives and we should be celebrating those. And that's kind of what my account is, I hope, trying to get across. It's like, you know, thank you for being a conscious consumer. Thank you for thinking. That's the first thing that I want you to do is yeah. just not be mindless about what sure. you're consuming. Um, and I think, you know, we can make a lot of change by just being those people and slowing things down a bit and thinking about those things. Um, and that's why I aim to do. So I think, you know, the whole piece around not being, you know, a warrior, even though sometimes I use the hashtag, you know, war on waste or sure. whatever but I'm not I'm not really that kind of aggressive approach to things and I think I I try and like live and let live I think that's just the way I am really so. and that makes you relatable like you say more, you're going to probably reach more people in that way I know with the um essential oils when I do a class you know I know plenty of people who do what I do who have cut out lots of things lots of alcohol etc etc no judgment whatsoever but I'm not that person and when yeah. I say to them I still like a glass of Prosecco and a bag of chips sometimes with some audiences you feel that that they connect with you because yeah. you're like them you know yeah. they're like oh she's a bit like me really yeah absolutely and I think that's so true I think if you can be real and I think that's the kind of parent I am as well I think you know I'm a realistic parent and um can I swear yeah, I do a lot. Rena always holds back, but I don't. But just like, I guess I'm kind of the person who goes, yeah, it's fucking hard. But, you know, we're doing our right. best to it. And I'm right. that kind of person. And I'd rather be that kind of mom, you know, maybe not say that word in front of the kids. But, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Rather than sitting there going, oh, isn't it just a dream? Isn't it just wonderful? <laughs> you know, I, I wonder who know. those people are. <laughs> yeah, I just think if you can be real, then it relates to other people. And I yeah. think, you know, that's a whole thing on the um, on the wellness piece as well. You know, I openly say I have my struggles with anxiety and I love that people are talking about mental health so much Absolutely. more. Um, you know, I had a friend around for a cup of tea this morning after the school run and I was just saying, you know, because when you're open about your own mental health, then people are then open about their mental health and that then keeps the conversation going. And, you know, it's not about jumping on bandwagons or being overly dramatic or all that sort of thing. It's being real, about being authentic. Being being yeah, real. Serena and I, that's partly why we do what we do and we are quite, we are very open and honest, yeah. you know, and we and talk about the things that go wrong and our fears and our anxieties and our history of mental health and don't we, We Serena? talked about, about yeah, we talked about vaginas the other day, didn't we? We did orgasms. That. That's coming out the scene. <laughs> that's that's orgasms, yeah. <laughs>
so being 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 a uh, sex coach um that's one of my favorite topics obviously um going back to your topic for those that are listening in how can they be a little bit more conscious what couple of um maybe simple changes could they start to make now that is going to help to implement and make a difference in the future I honestly think, like I like I was saying before, um, the absolute first step is to think, think where things go, think what happens to the end of life of that product, but also think how that's made in the first place, and and that thread can go all the way through because if yeah. you pick up like an item of clothing, and you look at like without you know we're busy people you can like take it to the next level but um it's it's just thinking about it and being aware of stuff and like okay like the other day give you an example that's easy to explain things um our um base sheet on our bed the you know with the stretchy corners Mm. the stretchy corner went and i was like okay i need some new base sheets and so I looked up and I was just like, do you know what? I am going to invest in organic cotton ones because I've learned over the last couple of years the difference between producing organic cotton versus, right. um, you know, other um, standard cotton and yeah. how much extra water, extra chemicals, all these things, which, so it, it was like a conscious decision. I was like, right, we need a new one of those. But right. as a result, of you actually taking enough interest to have looked at something to have read something previously so you're saying Mm -hmm. that there was a catalyst for that choice that you made and it was self-informing you you may have made the find out more but i think by joining like these community groups and everything it it does just like it just comes to the forefront of your brain then and i think this is why it's so important for platforms like this where we're having these conversations because someone will listen to this and go oh I hadn't I didn't know about cotton you know I didn't know about cotton until someone mentioned it to me exactly you know I was just of the opinion well cotton is natural so that must be better you know but then you know you live and you learn and I'm a great believer you know I love Maya Angelou quotes I was talking about this earlier as well and I just there's um one of her most famous quotes is once you know better do better and that, I think is that Maya Angelou? Yeah, 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 amazing. And I just think that's a really you know, powerful quote, isn't it? Yeah, and I just think that's it because it's just like it's not beating up your former self; it's accepting you have a busy life and you have faith. But it's just taking into yeah. consideration every time you buy. How can I make this decision? Uh, you know, more planet friendly. Is it a case that, you know, I consider second hand? Is it a case that I consider where the fabrics are from? Is it that I think about how it's made? You know, you can't necessarily tick all the boxes um, because the problem is, unfortunately, because it's all commercial, which is, is good in the sense that people are starting to think about it and it has to go through that system first, but they're using each individual one of these categories as a marketing yeah. strategy aren't they so absolutely so, so then you can get trapped in the oh well do I buy fair trade or do I buy organic or do I buy second hand or do I sure. you know and facts of the matter is unless you're a millionaire you probably can't do it all but it's actually that's why I say to you it's it, if you can be conscious that yeah. I'm trying to do one of those things I'm trying to maybe not consciously buy from these fast fashion chains yeah who are just 
throwing stuff out for two pounds new. Like how the hell has a t-shirt ended up on a rack for two pounds new? Oh, you know, it's I just understand. like actually take that into consideration. That's all right, what you say, you know, or, or for somebody that might not be an option at the moment because the budget's yeah. so tight, but maybe they can re refill their um, cleaning products instead yeah. at this stage. You know, I said to somebody the other day because I've, I'm in a situation in my divorce where money isn't the same way it used to be. And I said to somebody, the thing that I'm looking forward to when I do have more money again is that it will give me choice. It yes. will enable to me to make more choices that suit my ethos yeah. that sometimes I can't do. But if I can't do them in one area, I can do them in another area. And that's yeah. what, and I think yeah, it's that's what you're saying. About knowing your limitations and not beating yourself up and knowing you know, what you can do, what you can't do. I mean, for example, having the boys you know I had twins there was no way me mentally could deal with cloth nappies I wasn't I just it wasn't a choice for me you know I know some I tried that, that and oh my gosh it's messy <laughs> it's the messiest yeah, I thing did, ever <laughs> I, did, I did cloth wipes for a year that was fine but then purely for budget reasons for the first few years we did use Aldi nappies and I knew at that point how bad plastic nappies are versus the biodegradable ones and it is genuinely shocking i don't yeah. know if you've heard these statistics statistics so your average like sort of pampers kind of style nappy takes 500 years to rot down versus mm -hmm. your natty or whatever biodegradable is five years so that's literally the difference you're talking about. It's yeah. genuinely shocking. But I had to come to terms with that. You know, I didn't have the budget to buy no, natural nappies throughout. But then when I got to the point, as we still are now, where the boys were pull-ups at night, I thought, well, I now have a choice. Yeah. This is the point where I have the choice. So I have now chosen to go biodegradable wipes, bags, and pull-ups. Sure. Um, because we're now using one a night rather than six a day. Big difference. Uh, Jill, now this is great. I'm glad you mentioned the twins and being a mum of twins because the personal thought of that, I may have actually run off and left my children. <laughs> Self-care. We've done a, an episode about it before. I always like to ask our guests. I'd love to know how you implemented this during those early years. What yes. is it to you in self-care? We're going a bit off to your topic now, but I think it's... No, really it's fine. Um, well, no, because I actually, what I love about being an eco-influencer is it's very much falls in with the whole holistic health. And as I say, you know, I've been a yogi for many years and everything. Um, so I love that sort of side of things. And um, I also, I had my own battles with insomnia. I went on medication, came, managed to get off it over lockdown and go down the holistic route. And it taught me a lot about things. Um, but um, I also um, was um, quite avidly following a lady called Rachel Hollis. Um, I don't know if you've heard of her, but she um, she's an American woman who she right. wrote a book famously called Girl, Wash Your Face. And oh, yeah. it's all about like empowering women and stuff like that. But she also ran a um, really great challenge right at the beginning of lockdown when everything went in called like the 30 day challenge where you were like working through like different self-care principles okay um and i've always been very much into self-help self-care self like that side of things anyway um but the reason why i raised her is she actually there was this one particular thing she did which really resonated with me which was she um tasked everyone with writing a joy list 
Okay. And you had to write a joy list of right. like um, 10 to 20 things. And then she actively said, and now you need to schedule it into your day. And it just needs to be things, you know, things which you can realistically get right now. So having a quiet cup of tea, maybe doing a 10 minute yoga video, maybe reading a chapter of your book, having a bubble bath, blah, 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 blah. And she says, we all have crazy busy lives. Yes. But if you, that's why it's even more important that you schedule this into your day as part of your day and you make you know there's a book which she goes on about which I've heard of lots of times called the power of habit have you heard of that yeah I can't remember who it's by but um the concept rings true that when you get in good habits you see the difference it makes to your life and it's so important now case in point you know throughout the month of June and I didn't even realize I was doing it because I was just so busy I fell off the self-care train and by the end of June I was really, really struggling with my anxiety and I couldn't quite pinpoint why I was getting that. And now I've made that conscious decision again to go, right, I'm going to start doing my gratitude journal every night again. Right, I've done the same. You fall off and you reap the consequences really quite quickly. And and you have to make the effort to put that time. And it can just be, like you say, a few minutes. Yeah makes the world of difference but it's also it's being kind to yourself with these things you know equally so with you know because I did a couple of CBT um CBT courses yeah um with the insomnia and you know then the thing which they tell you to do is get on an absolute rigid routine with your sleep and you have to go to sleep at the same time every night and wake up at the same time every morning and to be honest that didn't fit my personality type because actually it triggered my anxiety being that strict with myself because I kind of felt like I was naughty if I didn't manage it you know what I mean yeah so I think it's learning to be kind to yourselves within these strategies and and see it as something which you can take what works for you and understand what works for you and it's all about developing your own personal toolkit which you know hey do you know when I'm feeling this way, I know that this particular thing helps me. Sure. And it's not going to completely cure it or solve it necessarily, but it genuinely makes you just focus on the positive or feel a bit better, you know, and actually yeah. have time to do it's, that. It's that I just yeah. had a really awful winter with bereavement and anxiety and mm. depression and money issues. And I wanted, you know, for it all to come at once was a lot for me. And Serena yes. knows we've talked about this. And the book that I'm currently writing is exactly that. I wanted to explain to people exactly what I'd gone through and how compounded it all was, and then tell them the tools that I use to keep my head above water. Mm -hmm. Because I feel, you know, it's not a self-help manual. It's not a do this and it will work. It's saying, try this stuff. This is what worked for me. A bit of this, a bit of that. It's like a pick and mix. Do you know what I mean? I think the pick and mix concept is beautiful because you don't always have time for all of it. It's like anything and if I feel have... like it's the same approach that I had to motherhood. You know, I read yeah. lots of things mm-hmm. when my babies were small, not because I thought there'd be answers, but because I thought there'd be things I could try. Yeah, yeah. You know, and that's and why we do. People, that's it. You try stuff, don't you? Yeah, that's absolutely. why we do the Love Thy Body Project books as well, because it helps people in those. They get to read somebody else's small story, and then they take inspiration from that. I'll give you one tip for self care and that habit, the habit stuff that you're doing, because. I'm um, a self-love um, and body confidence coach, so I do lots and lots of work on self-love and self-care. When you're practicing your habits, when you're doing your habits, the things that you want to do, those 
self-care moments implement them into something that you already do you put them into that your habit stacking and when you have it stacked like you will automatically brush your teeth and straight afterwards you would pick up you'd gurgle and you'd go and have your breakfast oh not me breakfast because you I, I would have my breakfast before I brush my teeth but you know what I mean like you go you go and do something else straight away automatically your brain's just doing it so if you if you want to um if you want to I don't know read sit down with make sure your book's there with your kettle put your kettle on yeah. have your cup yeah. of tea sit down I open do the book exactly because that, I do exactly that, that is a habit stack and it will automatically just happen you won't even yeah. notice yourself doing it yeah and it's only when you stop doing it that then you notice it another Definitely. one which um is very similar to that which one of the um yoga teachers i follow um did is she was talking about okay i've noticed i've got a negative habit so it's how to replace that. And she was talking about the use of your mobile phone. And obviously over lockdown, we've become even more reliant on them because there are connections to the outside world when we can't physically see people. Yeah. And she said she got into that bad habit of, you know, pick it up as soon as, you know, you wake up in the morning and go straight on Instagram. And she said, right, I'm going to tackle this. The, the way she was going to tackle it, that she basically decided the night before three uplifting song she was going to listen to oh, i like that i love this when she and i haven't done it i just heard it on a podcast and i was yeah. like yes that i need to do that but i haven't got around to it yet but still this is case in point um it's like three uplifting songs to listen to to start her day so that would be like so yes she would pick up the habit would be i'm picking up my phone but rather than going straight into instagram she goes straight into that playlist and listens to that and then that starts her day on a positive note and I was like that's beautiful and practical as well it's more realistic isn't it like you say it's almost a stepping stone it's like um I I was listening to oh gosh I can't think what she was but it's on a podcast and talking mm. about some people it's too much of a jump to stop being negative about their body to going positive yeah. so instead of going negative to positive they were going from negative to neutral you know just so much observing better. I have a body I know it sounds yeah. a bit weird, but it's too much for some people to go from I hate my fat legs to I love my legs. So it was yeah. just a transitioning, breaking. I think it's like um, it's something which, you know, was a really positive thing for my upbringing, actually, is that, you know, whilst we weren't really talking about, you know, shapes or sizes of things, it was almost like we were taught that our bodies were temples and it was to appreciate you have working limbs or you have like this yeah. works and, and like even when you do have physical disabilities it's understanding okay so this one thing doesn't work but look at all the things that do work it's all that positive mindset piece definitely yeah yeah no that's true that's I, I try and do it with my mindset and my thought process as well so I and I'm quite good at this now I'm somebody who's always talked negatively inside internally to myself and mm -hmm. now I'm very quick if I do it to hear myself doing it note myself doing it and stop myself doing it um, yeah. and it, it has been a stepping stone process it yeah. literally is that quick for me now I'll go no stop replace yeah and um the one thing which I've seen on that whole piece which uh, have you heard of like the whole inner child work stuff <laughs> yeah, um, Serena, so we did in a goddess two weeks ago. So yeah, I've been talking I, about this. Yes, <laughs> I just love that concept of picking up a childhood photo and going, "Would you say that to that person?" Because, Absolutely. like, of course you wouldn't. Especially as a mother, of course you wouldn't. You would never do that. Yeah. So it's just like actually learning to be kind to yourself first. 
um, I think that's really powerful. Yeah, I agree. So I'm just curious. Um, I know earlier on when, when Joe asked you, you said that you hadn't really received any resistance or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so I presume you've had no trolling or anything like that on social media because we did one on about trolling a few weeks mm-hmm. ago. And when you put yourself out there on social media, you kind of given permission for people just to say yeah. what they want about you aren't you you're, you're yeah. kind of just putting yourself in that position so um I'm assuming that you haven't but have you experienced um, any trolling I mean, I've kind of had like one kind of thing before but honestly my policy is no tolerance <laughs> I just yeah. don't have any tolerance at all yeah yeah any account is being rude or saying something controversial to me or uh, or like making negative comments on your post. I mean, I, I was brought up with the mindset, if you haven't got something nice to say, then don't yeah. say it, you know? Yeah. And um, I, I'm all for having a debate with someone about how to do things in a better way or, you know, how to expand on what I'm talking about. But yeah. for someone to actually have a go at you, you know, I just think I don't have time for that. You know, I've got yeah. enough going on. I just block them straight away. And that's why yeah. I honestly would teach any child of mine to do is I don't, I think this is an important piece as well. And maybe this is naive and a mother of very, very young children at the moment. But um, I'd like to think that I would encourage my kids to use social media, but use it in the right way and understand that it's always okay to block people. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, my son, my, I've got obviously got five, but um, my, my husband's Italian. And I'm yeah. obviously British. Um, so yesterday, when we had the the final, was um, this just said it was there was there was a little <laughs> bit about well, what were we gonna do? Like, we 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 went with Italy because there's a majority yeah. of Italians over the British right here. I'm gonna ask you um, about this. <laughs> <laughs> but my my eight year old son uh, Theo. He's always very diplomatic when it comes to things. I bring my children up to be very kind. And and, and so if I say to him, oh, who do you love the most? Like, you know, he'll always go, da, 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 and he'll point to everybody. He won't pick one person because he loves everybody the same. Um, and yesterday, um, one of my husband's friends is Italian and he had England flags on his cheeks. So we were yeah. like, that's the wrong flag. That's the wrong flag for you. Yeah. You're Italian. And, you've got and he was like, no, I'm supporting England. So we jokingly um, painted on the Italian flags onto the kids yeah. and to, to my husband to send him a photo back. Um, and Theo was like, I need England on here. I need Italy on here. And I was like, why? He's like, because I'm English and I'm Italian so and I can't pick I've got to love them both and I just think that's just so sweet that you know he wasn't going to he wasn't going to pick a side because actually he loves both of the parts of him and he loves all of his family and yeah I think you're right if we can as be role models for Mm. the next generation to show up on social media and Joe and I um we're old we're, we're, we're not that old to be fair but I mean we are pre um you know it didn't exist when we were teenagers yeah, if yeah, it did yeah, we would yeah. be we would be like experts at it by now I, <laughs> I, I, I lived my whole uni experience without Facebook you know literally we, we were doing return, <laughs> oh. return bill charges on phone calls and it was yeah. going on my parents phone bill God Definitely. Bless them. but you know it's just it's Can you imagine? how quickly it's Curious. all developed about Jill you come from a media background like me 
Um, mm. You are somebody, you seem to come across like someone who finds it easy to talk. Um, you don't yeah. seem like a, a shy and retiring wallflower, I would say. Um, I feel that I enjoy having a platform. I, mm -hmm. I enjoy yeah. that. That, that um it's all like you said about being a children's tv presenter i think that might have yeah. suited me you know that i like to be there in front of people and yeah. i'm just wondering if you had any it obviously evolved gradually which probably helped but did you have any reticence about putting yourself your personal self out there i know a lot of what you do isn't totally personal i don't know i think i'm one of those people who actually finds it easier to talk about um it's actually another Rachel Hollis thing, just to quote her on this, is um, because she does events and talking. And what she says is the 100% the one way to get on top of your nerves when you're talking in public setting is to know what you're talking about. Yeah. And it sounds so simple. Um, but if someone like if I was in the work environment and someone got me to do a work presentation, I would fall to pieces right. because um, I don't really know. And then I get all caught up in like, oh, I don't know how to represent their brand. Do you know what I mean? Because right. they've got, especially within a big like office setting and stuff, and there's a brand team and there's like, everyone's got like corporate guidelines and everything like that. But for sure. whatever reason, that kind of threw me versus talking about stuff which I genuinely feel passionate about and yeah. clients who I feel passionate about and passionate about their businesses and I have exposure to um you know what they're doing individually and I don't feel nervous about that so it is interesting the psychological side of that piece and um, I don't know how much of it is linked to control <laughs> as well. I mean, how I've described it in the past is that if I was put on a stage and told you talk about this and I'd be nervous, yeah. whereas I was always the, the student in a university lecture of 200 people. If I didn't understand what they were talking about on stage, I'd put my hand up comfortably and say, I'm sorry, can you explain that in another way? Sure. And that wouldn't make me feel nervous. But, and then I'd get feedback from others saying, oh, thank you so much for asking that. I was thinking the same, but I sure. felt too nervous to do it. So it's- That makes sense, yeah. In different ways, I think, because like saying my older sister, for example, she's an academic. And we always said the difference between us is she'd comfortably walk into a lecture hall and, and do a presentation but wouldn't feel so comfortable walking into a bomb and introducing herself. Whereas I'm wow. the other way around. I know what you so mean, I, yeah, I would be the other way around as well. Yeah. If, you, if I walked into a bar, I'd quite happily talk to strangers in that setting. But um, We spoke to each other, didn't we? At a party, yeah, Joe. we didn't know each yeah. other. I know, I, I think a lot of what we're all saying here is it, it's about being confident to be you and be authentically you. It, it seems yeah. that if you distill it down, that's where it comes to. And, and for yeah. me, I feel like I am intrinsically part of my brand because I live what I do. And I think mm -hmm. that's what you're saying. I think each of us do do that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I could talk yeah. about I can talk about underwear and, and, and sex and and self love and self care all day long. Um, till the cows come home, like as, as they up. say. The cows light you up. This is the thing. Yeah. It's all about yeah. energy. It's about, you know, that I do believe that people 
have something which they want to give to the universe and I think sometimes it takes you know I'm in my late 30s now and it's I kind of feel like it's taken me to this point to just be like oh right yeah this is what I want to talk about right right and I've had conversations where I said oh I wish it happened before and then I'm reminded I needed to get to this point I needed everything that went before to take me to where I am now 100 100%. 100%. Yeah, definitely